Good evening. It's good to be with you tonight. Sitting here kind of takes me back to my childhood. When I was a young boy, I remember attending a church that was much like this. Wasn't always full, but yes, it is good to have a, a small group has a lot of advantages. Well, tonight, I want to bring you a message from Galatians, and I want to begin with an illustration. I know a Mennonite man who had some disagreements with another church member, and he was hurt by accusations and his wife and his children were discouraged because of the, the problem that they were having. And yet, when that man needed some construction work done at his house, he invited the man who he had the disagreement with to come do the work. And he was asked, how can you do that? How can you be forgiving like that? And this is what he said. Christianity either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work now, then it doesn't work at all. Christianity either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work now, then it doesn't work at all. How is your Christianity tonight? Does it work? Does it stand up to the test of daily living? You know, the problem with our Christianity many times is that it's in our mind, it's in our head. We know what the right thing is to do, but the problem comes in our everyday experience. Can we make our Christianity work? Tonight, we want to take a test. This test is for everybody here. The test is, we're going to take a test and determine if our Christianity works. And that's my sermon title tonight, Testing Our Christianity. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read quite a few verses here, but I think it's, it's what I want to do. Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 6, verse 8. So we're going to begin at Galatians 5. 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 
gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one to the spirit, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we see two terms used here. The flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is our natural human tendencies without God. Those tendencies always pull us towards sin. That is the flesh. And the spirit is the Holy Spirit. Part of the Trinity. God. And that Holy Spirit, he comes and lives in us when we turn our life over to Jesus. And he leads us to holiness. And so we have the flesh, our natural desires, and we have the spirit who wants to lead us to holiness. And we saw the list here of the, of the flesh and how it leads us to sin. And it tells us here that there is a constant war between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh hates the spirit and the spirit cannot tolerate the flesh. And so there is constant war. And there can never be a peace treaty between the flesh and the spirit. One or the other is going to dominate my life. And it's going to dominate your life. Either the flesh or the spirit is going to dominate your life. And so, I told you we're going to take a test, and we're going to start. Here's the first one. There's the test of who I am becoming. The test of who I am becoming. Am I becoming more like the flesh, or am I becoming like Jesus? Notice what it says in chapter 5, verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we see that if we, have, if we walk according to the Spirit, then the flesh is put down. Did you know that the Christian's destination is not just a place, but it's an image? Let me say that again because this is so important. Did you know that the Christian's destination is not just a place, but it is an image? This is important because it affects how we live. If our only thought is for a future heaven, I just want to get to heaven, we're going to forget about the image. We're going to forget that we must become like Jesus. 
And, and you know, when we forget that, our daily living is, is affected and our flesh begins to dictate how we live instead of the spirit. And, and we'll have a Christianity that doesn't work. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19 talks about till Christ be formed in you. That's Jesus being formed in us. In Romans 12, it talks about not being conformed to the world, but being transformed. That's a transformation that needs to take place. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Spirit brings a new nature. And so Scripture is clear Jesus needs to be formed in us. We need to be transformed. We need a new nature. And so the first test is the test of who I am becoming. Am I becoming more like the flesh? Or am I becoming more like Jesus? And that's a question you need to ask yourself. That's a question I need to ask myself. Who am I becoming? The second test is the test of cooperation. It says, walk in the Spirit. Now that word walk means to range in regular line or to walk in military rank, to keep in step. Walk with the Spirit. Keep in step with Him. Verse 18 talks about being led of the Spirit, to be guided by Him. And the Christian life is lived by yielding to the Spirit. And every minute of every day, we try to live under the Spirit's control. And we try to take each step as He directs. And so, the Spirit will lead. And He will prompt. And He may bring conviction to your life. But you know there's one thing the Spirit won't do. You know what the Spirit won't do? He won't assume your responsibility. And you know what your responsibility is? It's to cooperate. You need to walk in step with the Spirit. The Spirit will never force you to walk with Him. But you need to cooperate with Him. And so that is a test. That's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I cooperating with the Spirit? I do heating and cooling for a job. And I was called to look at a heating system in an old man's house and he was hearing air gurgling through the pipes and he would he would have it fixed and sometime later it would happen again he would hear air gurgling through the heating pipes and so he asked me he said why can't this be fixed so that this doesn't happen and so I looked at it and I said to him yes yes I know what the problem is I see it and I need to move this pipe over here and do a few things it wasn't real involved but I said I can do that for you I can fix this so that it won't happen again you won't have air gurgling in your pipes and you know how he responded he said well the last guy that was here didn't say anything about it I don't want you messing with that system you let it go the way it is So I knew the solution to the problem, but I couldn't fix it. 
because he didn't trust me. You know, that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. He can only bring growth and change to your life if you cooperate with him. If you say, yes, Lord, I'll walk with you. I'll keep step with you. He can work in your life. But if you don't cooperate, his hands are tied. He can't fix the problem. He can't help you grow. And so the test is, am I cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Am I walking in the Spirit? The third test that we want to look at is the test of bearing fruit. When we think of fruit, you know, you probably think of strawberries and peaches and whatever else that you like to eat, but bearing fruit is a natural response of a healthy plant. If you have a healthy plant, it's going to bear fruit. And so think about that in the spiritual sense. A healthy Christian is going to bear fruit. Fruit is grown slowly, almost imperceptibly. It happens without a lot of loud noises. There's no sudden ripening, but it's a process. Slowly but surely, fruit is developed and ripened. You know, you don't say, hey, I heard a bang. The strawberries must be ready. I, I know it. No, you watch them and they're little first flowers and little green berries and then after a while they're pink and then before long they're ripe. But it is a process. And so it is in our Christian lives. We can't expect that we are perfect and that we have all the fruit that we need immediately, but we need to be growing in that direction and we need to be a healthy Christian And we need to be slowly but surely developing fruit that is evidence of what a Christian should be. You know, fruit is an evidence of what a plant really is. Maybe there's uh, several kinds of grapes or several kinds of whatever. And you can't really tell the difference until the fruit comes. And then you say, yes, this is, what, this is the kind of plant that that is because it's bearing this fruit. And Christians should have fruit that proves that your Christianity is real. There's a children's song that I used to sing. I don't know, I don't hear it too much anymore, but it says... Love is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart where the king is in residence there. Fly it high in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. You know, does the king live in your heart? And is there proof that the king is there by the fruit that's in your life? That's a test. That's a test of your Christianity. Do you have the fruit that proves that your Christianity is real? Not everything perfectly, but are you working in that direction? And is the Spirit working in your life, forming that fruit? So we have the test of who I am becoming. We have the test of cooperation. We have the test of bearing fruit. 
And now we have the test of comparing. Verse 26 has some words in it. Self-conceit, or it says vainglory in the King James, provoking one another to envy, uh, jealousy, that would be provoking one another, jealousy, envy. Self-conceit, envy, and jealousy are some of the words that we would get out of that verse. And those are, those are terms sometimes that are used to compare. You're jealous because somebody has something you don't, or there's pride over things that you have that others don't, or there's envy when you want what others have. You know, we think about, I'm better than you. I want what you have. I deserve the success that you have. And sometimes in the church, these things are revealed when somebody in the church falls into sin. You notice what he says in chapter 6. If a man is overtaken in a fault, if you're spiritual, what are you going to do? Think about yourself. Am I going to be tempted? Can I fall into that sin? Um, When a person in the church falls into sin, it gives us an opportunity to think or say how we are above that. You know, you look at somebody in some other church, I would never do that. That would never happen to me. And so we put them down so that we can lift ourselves up. I'm more mature than that person is. You see, we're comparing ourselves to others. We, we lift ourselves up and put them down. Paul says, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. Verse 4 says, let every man prove his own work, or let every man scrutinize his own work. Scrutinize your own life. I used to work with, him, with an older man. He was retired and kind of doing a job for fun, and I was a young kid. And he and I got along well. And sometimes he would say to me, when he thought I was nosing into somebody else's business or somebody else's job, he'd say, you don't worry about the mules, you just load the wagon. And that was his way of saying, buddy, just mind your own business and work. And isn't that how it is sometimes? We would like to mind somebody else's business more than ours. We would like to look at somebody else's life and their problems more than our own, than to scrutinize our own work. You know, we excuse our own shortcomings by saying, I'm not as bad as she is, but it tells us here, that we should scrutinize our own work and then we can truly rejoice and not be happy at the expense of someone else. Notice what it says in chapter 6, verse 14. I didn't read that verse, but it says, Paul says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Glory in the cross. Jesus' death on the cross has made it possible for me to crucify the flesh in my life. The cross is the standard that we're to compare ourselves to. You know, we like to look at other people and compare ourselves to them. Make ourselves feel good if we think we're better than they are. 
But Paul says, the only thing that I'm going to glory in is the cross. And when we look at ourselves in the light of the cross, it takes us to where we should be. We understand who we really are when we look at the cross. F.B. Meyer said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above the other, and that the taller we grew in Christian character, the more easily we should reach the best gifts. I find now that God's gifts are one beneath the other, and it's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower, and, and that we have to go down, always down, to get his best gifts. Isn't that interesting? It's not by getting tall that we reach God's greatest blessing, but it's by stooping low. And when we contemplate the cross, when we compare ourselves to the cross, that bends us low. There's no room for boasting. There's no room for comparing ourselves with other people. But it takes us low. So, the test of comparing. Who do you, how do you compare yourself? Do you compare yourself to the cross? Or do you compare yourself with other people? The last test. The last test is the test of the harvest. Verse 8, chapter 6. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I'm planting seeds today, and you are planting seeds today. That's the way it is. Life is like planting seeds, and you're doing it, and so am I. And if you're planting the wrong kind of seeds, be assured your harvest is going to be a harvest of heartbreak. That's the law of sowing and reaping. You get what you sow. I was just watching a DVD that my dad gave me about God's wonderful world, and he talked about one of the proofs of creation is that in every seed, the plant is in the seed. If they dissect it, there's leaves in there, there's roots in there, there's the plant in embryo form is in the seed. You're planting seeds, and what you plant is sure, surely going to be what was in that seed. And it tells us that we can't fool God. You know, you can pretend to be sowing good seed, but you can't pretend a good harvest. You just can't pretend a good harvest. You, you reap what you sow. But I would like to say, if you're not sowing the right kind of seed, it's not too late. As long as there's life, you can choose to sow the right kind of seed. If by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit you are planting the seeds of a crucified life, you're going to have a wonderful harvest of spiritual abundance. Psalm 125, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, 
bringing his sheaves with him. You know, walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit is not always easy. There's difficult things in life and decisions we have to make. And it's not always easy to follow the path that Jesus would have us to follow. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes, as it says there in Psalm 126, we may be weeping as we plant. But Paul says in verse 9, chapter 6, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be weary. Don't give up. Rejoicing comes at harvest time. And so... As we think about these tests tonight, it's, it's a good way for us to gauge where we're at with our Christianity. Do we have a Christianity that works? Who am I becoming? The flesh or the image of Jesus? The test of cooperation. Am I cooperating with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work in my life? The test of bearing fruit. Do I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life that proves that my Christianity works? The test of comparing. Do I compare myself to others or do I compare myself to the standard of the cross? And the test of the harvest. Am I planting the seeds that will bring a harvest of spiritual goodness? I hope that as you think about those things, they can be something that you can use to help you grow in your Christian life. We all need it. We all need to continue to work at growing to be more like Jesus. Let's stand up for prayer, and then after that, we'll have a song. Let's pray. Father in heaven, tonight, we thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. Lord, we know that your word points us to you and wants us to be like Jesus. And Lord, we desire to do that. Sometimes it's very difficult and it's hard for us to do that. Give us the strength. Help us to be obedient to your word and to your spirit. Lord, I pray for this group here tonight. Bless them in their own personal walk with you. Bless them as they reach out to the people that they meet every day. Lord, may it be evident that we know Jesus. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's have a song, please. You can remain standing for that. <clears throat>